This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston. Our co-host, Charles Thompson, is not here today, but I am on the line with James Tronowski. We're going to be talking about a new law in Utah, which is going to be attempting to limit kids' ability to access social media. James is the Senior Tech and Innovation Policy Analyst at Americans for Prosperity and a Young Voices contributor. He's been covering this story. James, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. We were just talking beforehand. I think maybe this is your third time on. So anytime we need some kind of a tech or I guess uh, any type of innovation that there is, we're just going to talk about it. I know we've talked about Twitter before and uh, I'm not sure what else, but I'm, I'm glad to have you on. Yeah, no, I'm happy to be here. Always a pleasure chatting with you guys. So tell me about this new law in Utah. I believe we mentioned it last time you were on, or I've talked about it before with someone else, uh, but it has been passed. It's been signed. What's in the details? Yeah, that's a great question. So the governor signed a series of two bills uh, recently. Uh, One was SB 152. The other one was HB 311. And combined, what they do is they set up a whole new host of restrictions for how kids can access social media websites online. So if you're under the age of 18 in the state of Utah, you cannot go and now access Facebook, TikTok, whatever, without having parental consent involved there. And then on top of that, you have to go and engage in some form of age verification to prove your age, whether or not you're a child or not. Um, So that might result in something looking like Uh, having to go and submit your government ID or having to go and submit yourself to a facial recognition scan so that way they can do age estimation. Um, And and basically the way it's designed, like these companies have to do that or they're exposed to massive amounts of liability. Um, There's also a provision in there that if the users between the ages of 13 and 16, there's a liability burden shifting going on here where the social media company has to disprove the claim by the people bringing the suit. Um, That's very problematic. That basically amounts to a de facto under 16 ban on social media in many ways. So there's there's definitely many problems here. I think that while it's well intentioned that I know the bill sponsors and I know the governor, um, their heart's in the right place. It's just that these bills are not the right solution to targeting the problem that they're seeking to deal with here. Yeah, I think the the main two questions I would have on this would be one, is this enforceable is this are they actually going to be able to do this and two is this even a good idea so on the first thing i know you mentioned the government id already uh, so what happens if someone say they're 14 and you got to get parental consent is that right to join the app and how do you prove how the social media company is going about proving that someone is someone's parents and they are allowing them to use this app 
Yeah, and those are all very great questions from an enforceability standpoint because it doesn't take into account the different types of situations kids might find themselves in. You know, Johnny has permission to go and use a social media website is more or less the kind of uh, form I imagine would get you know whipped up for something like that. Um, you know, the website has to make some kind of effort in order to establish contact with the parents to actually establish that permission. Uh, it could go as far as, uh, you know, requiring, you know, social media websites to possibly even try to call uh, the parents uh, making a good faith effort there. Um, so whether or not it's enforceable, it's a different story. I think that, you know, uh, with the advent of VPNs and some other things, it makes it pretty easy to circumvent. Uh, such design controls, even though the law does say that social media sites can't go and allow for, uh, you know, people to circumvent the law. Mm -hmm. Not really sure how they anticipate that social media companies are going to somehow stop VPNs or any of those kinds of things from working, especially if you're an adult. Um, you know, again, it's just it's very problematic. I think that there, there are certainly less restrictive means, uh, you know, in terms of solutions that can be pursued here to wanting to go and improve kids' safety online and in terms of wanting to uh, improve their, their mental health outcomes, because that was certainly one of the big reasons cited as to why they wanted to go and have these kinds of bill proposals there. But, you know, right now it's it's getting punted to uh, to the to the agency for rulemaking, basically within the AG's office um, to come up with the exact method for age verification. But the popular ones that you would expect would have to be there would be some form of government ID to confirm your identity or having to submit yourself to the facial recognition scans to do age estimation. So those are the primary ways that this would get done in terms of, you know, the enforcement perspective. Uh, if you are in the state of Utah and you're not, you know, genuinely trying to circumvent the rules. So is this something that's even going to be deemed uh, legal? Are they, is this just going to end up right in court? And, and who would be bringing the suit in that case? Would it be users or would it be the company? Yeah, that's a fair question. And I think that when it comes to litigation, I know that there are certainly discussions, I'm sure, uh, ongoing about weighing out the options when it comes to litigation. I wouldn't be surprised if these laws would be challenged because there are some pretty compelling, uh, you know, basic First Amendment grounds uh, that, that you can go and argue this legislation on. Kids do have First Amendment rights. And yes, I think while the courts have acknowledged that it's not exactly as full as a full adult because of uh, certain, you know, interests, um, it doesn't change the fact that this bill is a little bit overly sweeping because it treats an 18 or, you know, 17 and, you know, uh, 11 month old person the same as a 13 year old. Um, and I think that those two age, you know, differences there uh, are wildly different in terms of what their experiences look like. So I think that you can certainly expect um, you know, some kind of litigation here challenging the constitutionality of the laws themselves, um, which is a little bit unfortunate, right? Because that means now that taxpayers are on the hook for, you know, seven figures to defend a law that probably, you know, didn't have to pass and could have worked on something better. Um, but, you know, because they, they felt the need to have to do something, uh, now they're going to walk right into a lawsuit over it. When you talk about all the things the uh, social media company, let's just say Facebook or, or Meta, is going to have to do to verify this. What's to stop them from just saying, you know what, if you're in Utah, we're just not going to allow you, allow you to use the app. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's not, that's not an unfair, you know, suggestion. And I know that the companies I'm sure would also think through that as well. The problem is, is that, you know, you, uh, the internet's a borderless thing, you know, we can't just sit there and, and erect a border around the state of Utah.
legal challenges, possibly see, you know, dormant commerce clause kind of, uh, you know, conditions being raised there because it's impacting more than just Utah if this bill were to be upheld. And I think that at the end of the day, it might just be cheaper and more easy if you're a social media company to just switch off the access uh, in Utah to these opportunities. And that would actually hurt a lot of Utahns, not just children and, and adults that live in the state of Utah, but all the small businesses and and all the content creators that exist in the state that actually benefit quite immensely from having the opportunity to have those platforms there operating in the state. So um, unfortunately, there are some really nasty downstream effects that can happen here that were unintended consequences in the name of wanting to pursue this noble endeavor of you know protecting kids. It sounds like the real winner in this case is going to be ExpressVPN. <laughs> I think that's going to be. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that, that was definitely my running joke when I saw the bill running through here. It's like, I mean, Ben Ben Shapiro loves his ExpressVPN, <laughs> right? And I imagine that, you know, he can go and drum it up even more now in the Utah area, uh, you know, get some more sales there. Because, again, like VPNs are perfectly legal and you can't like, you know, legally restrict or you know ban them it's there's actually completely valid reasons why we'd want to have vpns out there so i mean yeah it's going to be something that i imagine we'll see that certainly pop up and then i also think that you know it's not unrealistic to expect that some people would go and engage in fake ids in family bundles now it's like don't worry <laughs> you know johnny you know whatever over there has a mom and dad and a p.o box somewhere in the state of utah that can more than happily uh, you know, do the age verification and parental consent stuff that you want to deal with there. So there again, it's just it's it's setting up bad incentives. I think when again, if if what we want to do here with kids is make them more safe online and protect them, there are probably better paths that we can pursue in that effort. Well, so what are some of the reasons that they gave for needing to to do this this ban or this uh, this restriction? Yeah, so I think that, you know, right now the common refrain, uh, which is kind of mirrored on the federal level um, that we're seeing percolate in the states is that, you know, uh, insert your fear mongering uh, talking point about technology companies and social media that you want here. Uh, you know, social media is addictive. It's designed to, you know, uh, harm our children. Uh, these companies aren't doing enough. Kids are depressed with their mental health statistics on the rise in terms of suicidality and, and depression and girls and their image, uh, you know, feeling blue on Instagram, let's say. And they're, you know, when you compile all that together, they feel like there's a compelling reason to want to do something here. And, then, uh, and these proposals on the state level are just a way of going at it. So I, I guess that raises the question whether or not they're they're right about any of those things. I can be honest with you. I don't have kids, but I have stated within the last week that if I had kids, I would not want them touching social media whatsoever. Now, that does not mean I would resort to asking the state government to to ban my kids from being on social media. I I believe as a parent, I would, uh, I would try and control that kind of thing. Uh, but is this sort of... Uh, is this sort of circumventing the parents here, their responsibility and placing the government in that position instead? And what what type of implications would that have? Yeah, I mean, the way that I think about this is that it seems a little odd that in a moment of time where we are talking about parental empowerment, we are basically telling the government simultaneously to co-parent uh, with, with us mm -hmm. uh, with these kinds of bills because... At the end of the day, I don't think you're wrong that, you know, if you were blessed to have a kid and, and you had uh, that going on in your household, that you would want to be the one in charge of figuring out how that online experience would look like for your kids. 
um, that's the ideal state. So, I mean, when we're looking at these proposals, I think that basically what we're seeing here is the government trying to co-parent with parents. And at a moment in time when we're trying to empower parents with choice and education, it seems a little bit odd that we're asking the government simultaneously to step on into the home and govern in this kind of way. I think that you know, again, there are less restrictive means available. If you're a parent at home, as you mentioned, if you had a kid, you wouldn't want your kid to have access to social media. The good news there is that there's there are controls that can go and do this. Um, you know, you, Apple has settings in there for parents that are now more prominently featured in their settings section. Um, and even the individual platforms also have parental controls available as well. I just think that this is ultimately an educational issue on three prongs. I think that, you know, if you're parents, it's a bad there's just a, a not a not good enough of an understanding in terms of what tools are available to you uh, in order to get that tailored online experience for your child that you're looking for. I think that there is a failure on kids in and of itself in terms of talking about the mental health statistics and everything else. Those are certainly valid in terms of um, you know depression and suicidality and all that. I just think that it's inappropriately putting the weight on social media companies when there are many things that have changed in the last 10, 15 years culturally speaking, I think at a minimum, that would also start explaining why we might be seeing that on top of the fact that, you know, I think that there was an argument that was put out there that I don't think is unreasonable that we actually were probably in an era of historic lows in a lot of those categories. And now we might be reverting back to a mean or the average rate, if you will, of a lot of this. So I think that, again, for kids, it's education. Uh, For parents, it's education. For the kids, it's about, hey, here are the benefits and pitfalls of social media. So that way, we can mitigate some of the downstream effects and make no mistake. There are actually positives for kids. Like it helped them during the pandemic massively to have social media uh, in their lives because it let them stay connected to their friends and they feel more connected to uh, their, their, their social lives that way. So I think that they're, it's not all bad. Um, so I think that sometimes people overplay that. And then lastly, I think that this is also an educational challenge for the companies themselves. Yes, they are doing targeted advertising to try to get parents connected to their tools, but those might not necessarily be the parents that are struggling here. I think these are parents that might not necessarily be as online and we have to do a better job of trying to figure out and identify strategies to reach those parents and those families so that these companies can make them aware of those tools available to them so that they can make that tailored experience for their children online. So that's, that's, I think kind of where we're at here. I'm going to, I'll put you on the spot here with a subject that we didn't uh, talk about uh, beforehand, but what are your thoughts on this uh, proposed TikTok ban and anything that you've uh, noticed looking into the Restrict Act, if you have? Yeah, yeah so I think that the TikTok ban conversation is certainly plenty of fun. Um, <laughs> you know, lots of lots of good feelings on TikTok. Uh, the CEO was notably in Congress just last week, uh, getting grilled by Congress for a variety of reasons. I think that when it comes to TikTok, Um, The way that I look at it is that, yes, there are some, I think, legitimate concerns when it comes to privacy and TikTok, uh, when you're looking at the fact that, you know, it does have connections to a company with ties to the Chinese Communist Party in China. And because of that valid acknowledgement, um, I can understand why it might pose a national security threat. Uh, Those arguments, I don't think exactly are uh, quite necessarily lined up to some of the rhetoric that's being put out there. so while I can understand and might even be okay with government wanting to ban TikTok, let's say, off of their personal devices in the government that they own, it's a completely separate conversation than whether or not you should ban it for the American consumer writ large. I think that 
Um, kind of similar to our conversation about this social media bill, the the ability to enforce it is a little bit wishy-washy at best. Um, and I think that you're also, politically speaking, you're harming your future prospects because those are voters too. Mm. Uh, so, you know, got to think about that as well. But also, you know, I think that there are some First Amendment concerns there because you are talking about 150 million Americans that are using that app in some capacity to express themselves. And now, and that's their primary conduit for doing so. Facebook and, and Twitter are alternatives, but it's not quite the same as what TikTok does. Um, you know, I don't think it's necessarily fair to treat them as the same because they're just naturally such different products. So when it comes to a more broad consumer ban, I, I prefer to go and say, let's pump the brakes on that. Um, and let's go and target the actual issues about TikTok that you're concerned about and see if we can engage in less restrictive means solutions there. So if you're worried about data privacy, boy, let's go and focus on a federal mm -hmm. consumer data privacy bill. Like it's been way too long. Congress has been taking forever on that. But if we do that, we can go and mitigate against some of those practices that perhaps people are worried about. If you're worried about the surveillance concerns, because, you know, again, TikTok has had negative reporting that has suggested that the CCP has used the app to go and surveil journalists. I think that that's atrocious and egregious behavior. But part of the reason why that that's even allowed, I think, in part, is because our United States government is no better on the surveillance front. I think that if you want to deal with the surveillance concerns, let's go and lead with our feet here and lead by example. We have to go and engage in some serious surveillance reforms of our own over here. So that way, this company has to go and respect our, uh, you know, wants and desires there, given the fact that, again, by their own admission, TikTok, as it's understood in the United States, is not available in China, and the United States is its biggest market. As a result of that, it needs to respond to the United States' desires more so than the CCP's desires. So I feel like if we're able to go and get surveillance reforms and consumer data privacy reforms, we could actually probably get to a place where we're, we're addressing the bulk of the issues that we're seeing with TikTok, and we don't have to go and see a ban come out of it. I would feel a lot better listening to people in the government talk about all these privacy concerns if they weren't doing the exact same thing all the time. Uh, they would have a little bit more principles to stand on, in my opinion. It's kind of weird to hear them all up there talking about that when we know all the data that they have access to and the fact that they're real close with all the other social media companies that have access to all that data as well. It kind of uh, just makes me turn off any of their rhetoric when it comes to this privacy thing. Yeah. And I know you had asked about the Restrict Act, so I guess to just briefly touch on that, um, again, I think the problem with that legislation is that while that's technically not, technically speaking, it's not a TikTok ban, but it does set up a procedure by which that you could see a TikTok ban. The problem is that in the process of accomplishing that goal, it seems to go and, and really radically empower the government um, in ways that we probably don't want. Uh, you know, one of the I think especially during this moment where we're seeing many members of Congress go and really criticize the intelligence community for how they've abused the powers that have been given to them under Section 702, let's say, which is up for reauthorization this year. It would seem very counterintuitive to go and have that conversation where we might see some meaningful reforms done to only go and undermine that by passing something like the Restrict Act, which would broadly empower the intelligence community with all kinds of new powers um, on top of commerce. Um, so I think that, again, uh, it just it's legislation that doesn't meet the moment. I, I think that, again, if we want to go and deal with TikTok, there are less restrictive means, more more direct solutions that apply industry wide. We shouldn't be targeting a single company, but really just trying to go after industry practices in general. Um, and again, we have to lead by example in the United States. If we want companies to emulate our values, then it starts with us going and 
actually wanting to put pen to paper and show our values in, in meaningful ways. Go and hold the intelligence community accountable for the surveillance that they're doing. Um, and then, you know, make it harder for the government to go and compel these companies to actually allow them to engage in said surveillance by requiring warrants and other kinds of things. So that way we can at least get these companies in a position where they're not feeling, you know, worried about possibly getting the full weight of government on them because they're saying no to the government. Um, you know, again, I think that that bill is just not the right solution right now. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, James, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, love it every time you've been on here so far, and we'd love to have you on again. Where can people go to find more things that you're writing about or talking about? Yeah, you guys can always follow me on Twitter at JamesCZ19. That's where I'm usually opining about my my work uh, on tech <laughs> policy these days. And you can also find any of my latest media hits on the Young Voices website, um, which goes and uploads everything that I do on media these days. So, all right, James, thanks for having me again. Thank you so much.